Hey everyone and welcome to the Thrive Mind Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Millwood. In this podcast, we'll dive into all things mental health from a holistic perspective. My guests and me will share our wealth of knowledge from vast experiences to provide you all you need to thrive in a world where most only survive. Don't forget to leave a five-star review or share the episodes, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, just a quick note before the podcast starts for you all. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this has just been recorded as a quick little note before you start. We had Marley Oki, who's with me right now. You want to say hi, Marley? <coughs> <laughs> he uh, he woke up just before we started recording the podcast, and as a result, was yeah causing a bit of drama, uh, trying to tear things down and. We lost our train of thought a few times. We had to sort of stop and start here and there. So if it's a bit rough on the ears, if it's a bit hard to listen to, by all means, switch it off. But me and Kat will come back, no doubt, with many more podcasts and hopefully we'll have a child who's asleep next time. But otherwise, without any further ado, I will let what was the podcast intro that was initially intended carry on. Just wanted to give you guys all that quick footnote so that... uh, yeah, if you don't have the ears for a child interrupting and it gets a bit tedious with the interruptions, are bad. <sighs> hey, everybody, and welcome to the Thrive Mind podcast. We are back. We had a, another little break <laughs> uh, that wasn't necessarily planned, but life is life. Having children is children and having them start school and the enormous beginning that that is, was what it was. So with that long-winded intro there, today we have a beautiful guest as well as a uh, little friend inviting us (laughs) to play with him, (laughs) in that my guest is my wife, who is sitting across (laughs) from me now with a cheeky grin, and we have our little man Marley, who got woken up by our dog barking, so... He was supposed to be asleep, and now instead is going to be walking around us while we do this. But nonetheless, the show must go on. Thank you, Molly, for my phone. All right. So, with all that said, uh, we are going to give you as good a podcast as we can with little Marley Magoo wandering around, wanting to touch and poke and prod everything that uh, that he can. So, my wife, Cat is on today with me. We've been meaning to do this for a while and just the throes and trials and tribulations of raising three children uh, has made it difficult and it becomes very easy at the end of the night to say, stuff it, let's watch some Friends or let's start watching some Office reruns. And uh, tonight we said, ooh, Marley, definitely don't pull out the master cable because that'll take <laughs> everything offline. <laughs> so with that said, uh, again, apologies for any interruptions and any breaks in the discussion with this little man looking at what he can pull on. <laughs> but uh, as with every podcast we start, I thought it would be great for Kat to give you a bit of an intro of herself, what she does and kind of what has gotten her to where she is now. Take it away, Caddy. (laughs) 
Hello. Um, well, I guess um, for me starting out, um, I have always been involved in um, the more natural side of, of being and um, it's really distracting with Molly <laughs> running around trying to form a sentence. It is, we're just watching everything. So <laughs> while you talk, I'll watch and while I talk, you watch and we'll have it covered. <laughs> Um, and so, um, I always grew up with, um, meditation and, um, yoga and, um, Chinese medicine. And so, um, Which, just side straight is probably mm. a very important point to all of this, that you grew up, uh, within the Steiner stream of, oh dear, you grew up <laughs> within the Steiner stream of, you know, of learning in primary school. Uh, you went to visit the Brahma Kumaris as a kid mm. and, uh, you know, everything that, you know, went from there that no doubt you'll obviously explain, but that this stuff that, you know, that we're, we do now and all of our lifestyle isn't new for you, if anything, it's kind of a coming home to yeah everything you did as a child. Yeah, so um, we were always, um, yeah, like I said, very natural-minded, organic food and... Um, natural medicine and, um, you know, um, I started out in a state primary school uh, and then moved to, <laughs> then <laughs> then moved to a, um, a Steiner school when I was in grade one. Um, sorry if I laugh, Marley keeps trying to pull cables on Tom. Um, so, um, so then I went into high school and um, moved sort of, I guess, moved away a little bit from the more natural side of things and and really, um, I suppose, distracted would be the word I would use. Uh, and I decided that I was going to become a nurse. Uh, and sorry, before I decided I would become a nurse, I actually did my year 10 uh, work experience at a Chinese um, medicine center um uh clinic and um i got the flu on the first day <laughs> so um i went in and came down with the flu and so that was basically the end of my work experience i spent the next week in bed with the flu um and so i i actually often think i wonder if i had have done that week of work experience whether my um course of moving into into nursing would have actually shifted uh and and i would have would have stuck with the um with the more natural side of of healing um but then once i hit high school i decided to become a nurse and marley is trying to get my microphone <laughs> marley come <laughs> sit next to me and um yeah you can say hi and, um, we almost need a video for this so that people can just see all of his <laughs> movements throughout it. No doubt they'll be able to hear it as we go. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, so I became a nurse and um, just became frustrated, um, I guess, with within the nursing field um, of the lack of um, naturally minded um modalities that were allowed were able to be used and i'd say allowed as well because we were really restricted as nurses even having natural um you know essential oils or things like that in patients rooms um for palliative care and 
um, I guess I found it really frustrating. So I moved out of nursing and and went into uh, childcare because caring for people and caring for kids is a big, <laughs> a big important thing for me um, and something I'm really passionate about. So uh, moved into childcare, um, kinder, um, and did my certificate. And then um, that's when I became we yeah when we had the kid. So I mm. stopped working in childcare because I physically couldn't <laughs> anymore because <laughs> I was um, so unwell with being pregnant with the kids. Well, I mean that's something though that like just to kind of I guess take like a little sidestep with it that um, to kind of explain our our story with how the the girls came to be that for, we literally had the position where you were getting so crook because of um, the ovarian cysts. yeah ovarian cysts and things like that where you were almost off work more than you were on work yeah. because yeah. you were getting so ill and well I was the, having a cyst every month yeah so I'd spend like two weeks basically in yep. agony unable to work yeah and yep. then two weeks back at work recovering and having yeah days here and there where you were just destroyed from basically still recovering from the last month because um, they were like, yeah because I would actually have the ruptures it wasn't just a cyst it was an actual yeah exactly and you know now uh, knowing all the things that we know there's so many factors that kind of go into that and we could almost I mean no doubt probably will we'll make the point to do it but we could almost do a full podcast just discussing the different things around fertility and everything that went along with that but we again saving that for another day we uh, essentially were put in a position where it was either try carry on with you working sporadically dealing with the debilitating nature of of the cysts or say you know what let's skip forward realistically probably only a year or two Mm. but let's skip forward but from saving you know putting money aside to get the deposit for a house and all the things that a lot of people our age in our situation would have done and we said all right we're going to have kids now and we'll we'll sort out the rest later yeah well i mean Um, we're basically only biding time to get through the wedding yeah yeah exactly so it became let's you know you're in so much pain let's just call it what it is and not try and fight against it and so we we decided yeah like you know from a from a financial planning perspective people would look at it and go that's a really poor decision but from a lifestyle relationship perspective it was what we needed i think to step into the next phase of our lives without you know um really fighting against the current of just what our what our bodies were giving us in terms of signals for it's time for for this to happen so that you can almost like the way that the doctors explained it that having a baby almost kind of resets your reproductive system in a mm. way that will fix things and resets you know, your ovaries yeah having gone through all the different things that you had um yeah it was either battle with the sickness or do this now and then be able to you know mm. have the fruits of that earlier on well i mean the track the other thing is i guess is that when we got married i was uh 28 and you were 25. Five. 
<laughs> Cradle Snatcher. <laughs> uh, um, and um, yeah, you can watch it now. Um, and um, and I'd been told for many years that I may not even get pregnant. Um, and coming up to thirty, they always say, you know, get you need to get pregnant before you're thirty, and tick 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 type situation. So, which is so bullshit. Like the amount of people these days. I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, but it's, it's, it's great to yeah to um, and again, this yeah, it's it's too deep a dive to for what we want to go into in this podcast, but that the the medical system is almost um, self-perpetuating in a way where women go on all these different chemicals and things that change hormones, which then as a result create these disturbances in their system. So then as a result, people say, well, you've got a ticking clock and you need to have kids soon because mm. the disruptions that we've, you know, they don't say it, but the disruptions that they've caused because of those initial things for contraception or otherwise, um, everything that's led to has now led to, if you don't have kids now, you're going to have massive troubles down the line. Yeah. But then they've got the solution for that with everything that is that has come from there. So it's, um, you know, it's a shame that both a women get put in a position where they have to take the contraceptives, which are so poor for their health in general. Mm. And then on top of that, they get the added repercussion of when the results of you know, the negative effects of that come into play, they get told, hey, if you don't have pop, I had a kid now, it's not going to happen. And so that pressure gets put on. And by, you know, again, by no means does I think anybody regret if they have kids at a younger age or anything like that. But when you see that the pressure was put on you to to do that, and the way that it came out, it's definitely something that, you know, we, we do our best to educate other people on. And mm. if there's any way to change it, you know, down the line that we would for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I think that, uh, for me being, um, told from about 13 that I'd need to be taking stuff just to deal with cysts and, um, you know, and really bad um, period pain and things like that. Um, so I was put on, um, I've tried pretty much every form of um, contraception basically only because I was having so many problems with um, with pain and cysts. Um, so they were trying to regulate everything. Um, but uh, I'm not sure my phone's going to make it through Maui's smashing it with the end of the cord end of the cable <laughs> rest, rest in peace phone if you don't make it <laughs> but yeah. we did a podcast yeah. but I have no yeah. phone it's a very expensive podcast <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so um, I think I think for us though um, having kids um, you know for me uh, being 29 that's not really it, it, yeah that's not really a, a really young thing yeah, yeah. I mean, by no means were we super young, but it's very, I guess, like, you're, I guess it's more like, you know, again, without going too far side with it, that your friend group, you do have quite a few people that have children at this age. Mm. There's no one <laughs> <laughs> that's within the realms of the people I grew up with who have kids. They're maybe just starting to, you know, and our kids are smashing into primary school like it's mm. that uh, that 
difference in that, which again, it's not a problem. Um, it, I think it's just that the thing that I notice is people have the sovereignty of choice taken away from them mm. where we, we get misinformed through childhood and adolescence and we have this trust put in a system which is, you know, then ultimately, by no, I don't, you know, betray us might seem a little bit, um, yeah, manipulative on the, the side of the medical system, whereas I just think that they're also misinformed and they don't look at the big picture. But um, it's that taking away of that sovereignty of choice where you get pushed in a direction which you, you know, you may have... Like, you know, the difference a couple of months can make for something, you know, yeah. for like even logistically having two people been able to earn an income for an extra couple of months could mean the difference between having a house deposit and not and everything that goes on from there. That being said, uh, but I think there's if a we resourcefulness ha- that, you know, that you have to step into, which I think is probably a part of really what we'll get into in the second half of this podcast, Yeah, which is where regardless of the situation and circumstances you've had in the past or where you've come to, once you become aware of it, you can either sit and mope about it or you can step up and go, what am I going to do to make the most of this situation or get back on track with where I wanted to head in the first place, regardless of the circumstances that I now have. And in fact, I'm going to take them with me, you know, on the ride. I think that if we hadn't have had the kids when we did, I mean, obviously, like I said, for me, it was probably a good age anyway. Um, just because you're a spring chicken. <laughs> um, but, um, but with, uh, you know, with, with where the kids are now um, and everything we've gone through and, and where we're at um, starting our businesses and really taking off, uh, if the kids weren't in primary school and we were just starting to have kids now, you know, either we would have been on a completely different path or we would have been starting our businesses and already be fully established um, before we have kids or we wouldn't have been starting them at all because we wouldn't have gone through the stuff we've already gone through. So everything, everything happens for a reason. And that's probably one of the things that I'm probably, uh, you know, so grateful for. I mean, I told the story, I think on one of the first podcasts uh, that I did, explaining my story but for, for where I was at with the electrical apprenticeship and obviously I started that before um, we'd had the girls but that you know standing there at one of my lowest points but being able to hold dialer and have something that I wanted to have a better life for and with and everything and you know <laughs> by no means is it like saying that you weren't that oh, but <laughs> but that <laughs> The, you know, it, like, you know, it's, it's fair to say like the weight of a child, mm. you know, is completely different to anything that you can ever explain. And they were very much a catalyst that like, for, you know, who knows, had we, you know, not had children at that point and it didn't happen or it came later or whatever, I could still be working just in as crap a state as you know as yeah. I was and some people do like there's the amount of stories that you hear where it's like someone was was in that space for five years 10 years 20 years mm. and they go I've literally spent like oh my goodness Miley's getting very heated up too yeah uh where people spend you know 20 years just 
inner space going day to day on complete survival mode, just clocking in, clocking out, numbing themselves, and it's just rinse and repeat for that whole time. Yeah. Because they don't have something that uh, that triggers the, the movement out of it. And that, you know, definitely I think came with the kids. And that's that's where the blessing was, I think, that for some of the poor choices that we'd made, they were there to really help <laughs> help to correct, uh, you know, our path and really get us back to being in our truest self. And, uh, you know, kids, you know, if you... If your kids don't make you more of an honest, truthful human being, by no means are you doing it wrong, but you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, if they don't take away all the bullshit from you and make you realize what's important in life, then, yeah, I don't know what will. Which, yeah, I guess uh, to, again, after that sort of long-winded tangent that we've gone on describing all that stuff. Um, it's not like us to get sidetracked. and Yeah, no, hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back to you, one thing, I'm not sure whether you, you know, are happy to sort of go into it a little bit or not. Well, I, um, I, but I think I'm about to. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, um, I th- you know, I think it's a big piece of your origin story and you have, you know, talked about it in your uh, women's group and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, I know that you've discussed it with them, but that your relationship history prior to us mm. was far from smooth sailing and to a degree is something that really... Uh, that really brought you into, you know, some challenges and as a result, some different patterns and traumas that you've been able to slowly unpack and, you know, you will, as we all do, unpack for the rest of your life with different things that trigger. But I guess, would you be able to maybe speak a little bit to to what that situation was for you and then now, you know, where you've come to now after it all. With that you, I saved the you. perfect man. <laughs> 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 my, my king of all, all perfect, perfect men. Um, yeah, so when I was um, 14, I started working at um, a supermarket, um, as most kids do. Um, what were you going to say? You looked like you had a smart comment then. I was working at Supre, <laughs> selling three dollar t shirts to all the <laughs> all the ladies with their Friday nights. Uh, I remember that place. It was like walking into a nightclub. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, made like we just met met a lot of people there. That obviously, that you work with, and um, um, you know, sort of once I was about. I don't know, 16 or something. I started going out with one of the guys that was there who was older than um, me. He was, I don't know, three three years older or something. Um, and, um, yeah, it was really good starting off and everything was fine. And then as um, time kind of went on, um, it became just this really... Uh, I don't know how to sort of say it. Um, kind of maybe like a, a relationship where um, Miley's laughing at Netflix on my phone. It's very distracting. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it became a gaslighting. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, yeah. Yeah, very like emotionally manipulative emotion- in the way yeah. that you sort of explained things. And again, not necessarily intentionally, but um, no. just from a, a yeah, state of fear and control that that previous partner was, yeah very much wanting to assert 
um, control over your relationship so that he felt safe. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I kind of couldn't see it. And um, because behind closed doors, we were really great and, um, you know, got along really well. Um, but as soon as there was other people around, um, you know, I was, I was sort of belittled a lot and, 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 uh, you know, well, well, actually, there was only a few of his mates that even knew I existed because it was pretty much I wasn't I wasn't invited anywhere and allowed to go out anywhere. And um, if anyone turned up and I didn't have makeup on, I was kind of sent to sent into the house to put makeup on. It sounds re- it sounds worse than it felt. <laughs> Which um, I th- is almost part of the uh, yeah part of the the damage that it ensues is because it's it's very subtly. Um, you know, digging away at you because you, although, you know, those things, and now it's looking in hindsight, obviously, but that at the time it just happens, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll pop some makeup on, I didn't think people were coming over. But, the you know, what that actually does in your psyche and the subconscious patterns, you. yeah, is you start to think, oh, well, I'm not good enough if I don't have make you know, if said thing on, I'm not good enough to be around these people or those people. And so, yeah, your self-worth just slowly whittles away um, in this different way. And again, it's I think it's something to always point out that I don't, like my personal belief is that I don't think that people are emotionally manipulative in a way that they ever really wish to cause harm to someone. I think they're always covering for their own fears, insecurities, Mm. you know, you know, things where they feel out of control and they're just doing things to survive and to create some kind of control in their life, which sometimes the only way to do it is through just these, you know, it's the, um, I can't remember what the, the saying is the death by a thousand something. Knives? or is that yes, a nice. that seems really efficient though it's that like seems the, I, like that, was, that was, might be a kung fu movie <laughs> in my head in my head it's in my head it's the, it's the there was that joke movie that was like the really slow and inefficient death where the guy had a spoon and like would death by it was like a grim, grim reaper guy and he just whacked the guy with the spoon until he died <laughs> and it was like ridiculous but it's very much that kind of thing it's like i can't i don't actually have the power to you know, destroy you with one blow. So I'm just going to slowly whittle you down by just these little small things mm. that are going to just chip away at your confidence, chip away at who you are to where, you know, I guess you kind of end up in the positions where you did, where it's like, well, no, things are great or I actually have it really good and there's not something better waiting for me. You know, you don't have some guy named Tom Millwood who's going to come and save you and be... <laughs> hey, hang on a second. I saved myself, man. I sa- I was the one that put my foot down and said, enough is enough. Stick it up your butt. Um, in, in yeah, heavier terms than that. Um, but, yeah, no, I was... I definitely... Um, it took me a good, uh, you know, nine years, which, you know... <laughs> Um, at the time, like just stepping away and saying, nah, this is, I'm, I'm done. Um, this is enough. And, and, you know, he came at me with promises of change and, and that this was never gonna, it wouldn't happen again. And, and, you know, like you hear it so often and not, you know, I wasn't in a, um, physically abusive relationship or anything like that, of course, but you hear so often with guys who, um, abuse their partners 
and say, it'll never happen again, it'll never happen again. And then as soon as, you know, um, something snaps, they they do the same thing. And, and I remember when I said, um, nah, it, you know, we're done, um, I'm moving on. Um, and I think I'd actually met you at that point because mm. we, like him and I had already, were already separate, like, you know, broken up. Um, but he came back asking f- to have a, I say a second chance, but it was probably about the, <laughs> I don't even know how many, 50th chance by that point. Um, and I said, no, I've, you know, I'm starting to, I'm, I've started seeing someone else and, and, um, forget it. So, um, and he, he cracked it. And uh, I remember hanging up the phone on him and being like, you know what? You, I said to him, you, you haven't changed. And I just hung up the phone. Um, and that was the last time I spoke to him for a, for a very long time. Um, but I think as well, like, I, as much as I got the, the final say with, with that um, and I made the call and, and, and he just, that was the end of it. Um you know, I still had a lot of trauma to work through after that, um, which of course was when when we started going out, and um, I had a lot of stuff that was that was th- going through my head with uh, not trust issues because I, I trusted you, but it, it, it's just little triggers, I guess, along the way, and um, and things that I was still working through, and and I mean, I was still having night terrors um, as. Um, you know, a couple of, uh, probably for a good year after, I think it would have been, mm. um, just about, um, about stuff that would, would happen with him. So yeah, for me, like that was a huge, a huge thing. And, and I was pulled away from, um, my, I say hippie, but you know, like, I mean, let's face it really, I was, um, my whole family are massive hippies. <laughs> Let's be honest. I was going to sugarcoat it, but it's really not. Um, which you know, I'm I'm proud of. Like I'm not. That's not. Um, we've got gypsy blood way back, and I don't think really much has changed. So, um, yeah, I, I I was pulled away from that because I was basically told um, that it w- it was ridiculous. It was stupid. I was not uh, dressed in in the way that he would want me to dress, and and. Um, yeah, it just wasn't his way of life. So I kind of, you know, changed a little bit. The pendulum, yeah, definitely sort of swung a lot further in a direction, um, which where like you still take pieces of that. And I think that's where, you know, you've very much integrated really well with it all now is that, yes, you're a hippie, but you like getting your nails done. You like getting a nice <laughs> dress on. You like, you know, being able like- to go out and... I like Dance cars. Dance to your hip hop music. You <laughs> like your cars and all that sort of thing. Um, but it's it's one of those yeah things where uh, you know I, we, initially we'd said that we were going to save relationship stuff for another talk, but we, we'll let it flow tonight. That uh, that I guess you know for us the the interesting thing in our relationship, and it, it's very funny now having sacred union become you know become kind of the it thing and this is not to throw shade on any of the people that are within the world of doing that but we kind of hit that before i think it was even you know, a thing and fashionable and necessarily <laughs> named in that way um because we 
you know, you were very strong-willed when we started dating. You were like, I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm not going to tolerate this. I've had, you know, how, you know, nearly a decade worth of dealing with this bullshit. I'm not going to cop that. And, you know, it wasn't like I was doing a lot of that sort of stuff. But if there was ever a, you know, a time where something happened and it kind of moved in that direction, you were very quick to put the foot down, which well, I, it wasn't even that you were doing anything like, like that. It was just like, um, you know, if you would go out and get really blind drunk and I'd basically be your <laughs> yeah. nurse for the evening. <laughs> that um, was during my binge day. So it was a little bit um, different. <laughs> that, uh, roll you on your side. So you didn't, didn't vomit. In, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You could have just left me on the side of the, you know, the side of the road or the side of the house. What was it? On the side street, I'm trying to say. I'm trying on the to side out the explanation street. of where I was trying, of where the, I was laying. <laughs> and to then tell in, you. in the garden. Yeah, just just leave me out on the street. It'll be fine. I'll like yeah. I'll sleep here. Come and get me in the morning, and I'll be right uh-huh. there. On a really cold winter's night. <laughs> you. There was probably enough alcohol in my system to survive. But uh, um, yeah, but yeah. but I mean, for me, that was a big a big trigger as well. Was because I was always the one that was, um, you know, called at one, two, three a.m. to go and pick up the boys from the from St Kilda uh, and drop everyone home, and then I'd um, you know go back and and basically get a couple of hours sleep before I had to. Um, so Molly's fighting me because he wants to play with the microphone. Um, that I would go go back, have a couple of hours sleep, and then I'd be getting up to go um, open up the supermarket as a service supervisor uh, and then would have to cover shifts because, you know, my boyfriend at the time was the second su- service supervisor on and would not be able to, to do it. So, um, you know, there was just things that, that for me, like the, the big drinking and, and stuff, I mean, you were – <laughs> Only 20. The, I was on the tail end of it regardless. It was getting to a point for me where, um, you know, the high school crew, we were, we called ourselves um, binge core or we were like bingeaholics where, yeah, just about every single weekend was go out, drink as much as possible and then spend the week discussing how much you were either recovering from the weekend or how keen you were for the next weekend worth of, you know, ridiculous antics and getting to those crazy points of throwing up and being that self-destructive was almost uh, worshipped or was a positive thing. Um, But needless to say, I think the, you know, the ground rules, not the ground rules, but the, the way, the expectations that you had, you know, were quite strong and they came from a place of, Hey, this, this relationship is the real deal for me. Mm. So if you're in, Let's do it properly and I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to fluff around with this crap that's, you know, detrimental to our relationship. Yeah. Um, and very much I was the same where I've, you know, we've discussed it a million times, but where I was very much a lovesick puppy growing up and was always searching for that person to reciprocate that love and I never found it. And then you came in and you were like, well, yeah caught like that's exactly what I want and I had to understand to a degree which you know didn't take long to because it's not like I was completely out of control but um but yeah if we're going to do that it means that there are some ground rules that we're going to go by and 
you've got to be okay with me moving in within a week and you've it got to be okay not with me a leaving week. my clothes Get everywhere. Out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was not no. a week as much as your brothers would no. say it was a week. No. <laughs> it was but not a week. Um, I think it's one of those things where <laughs> getting serious with it though that we we very early on saw that it wasn't about either of us personally, but it was for that greater third party, which was, you know, the whole of the we. Um, yeah. And that ever since, that's that's what has carried us on and through, when through my breakdown, through, you know, the fertility challenges that we had, um, all these things that have come up, it has always been looking at the greater picture of what we want in life, which is a, you know, a life together and to be able to look back in 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years and be like, fuck, we had some hard times, but look at everything, but look at everything we've created with that. (laughs) (laughs) Look back in 90 years. So when I'm like 120. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sitting in the mountains in India would just be living on a grain of rice a day and they'll be like, yeah, 120 is nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess with that being said, um, you know, to the, to the point that we originally wanted to, <laughs> to discuss, uh, on the podcast that, you know, through all the challenges that we've faced through everything that's come up, we, have always looked to heal and to not stay stagnant. And when, you know, my initial breakdown came through, you very much dipped into a role of let's, you know, we like we were, we were in survival mode. There was a lot of different things that went on in the periphery when that happened that um, caused us to be like, okay, look, we've just got to make sure that we can get by for the next little bit. But, I mean, even that, that lasted three or four months. And then we were like, yeah. we're getting to Bali, we're going to reset. Um, and to, be, to be fair, when everything hit the fan, I think um, I went into total, um, not panic mode, but my nursing brain even wasn't, wasn't firing at that point. And normally when we have some kind of emergency or medical thing happen, my, my nursing brain kicks in at least. Um, and I kind of go on autopilot with that. Whereas at this point, you know, when everything happened, it was just so far out of this even believable world that, um, you know, I, I think... Which I guess just for reference for anybody, if they haven't heard the initial podcast, um, I... When was it? It would have been 20, 2017, sort of started, yeah, t- started 2017. Yeah, um, I had a breakdown where I ended up in a psych ward for about a week and a half. Um, Taken by the police, the ambulance. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much had a full break uh, breakdown Yeah, at home. And so as a result, yeah, had uh, all of that happen and then was uh, very poorly managed from there to where I was misdiagnosed, poorly prescribed and basically spent, yeah became both a zombie but an energetic as fuck zombie because the medication I was given was basically pepping me up to, you know, to, <laughs> to the wazoo where I couldn't keep myself still. Yeah, um, I think you just, you ended up with restless legs and... Yeah, and, yeah, and I couldn't keep myself still. I 
could barely sleep and so they're like, let's add this thing on. Um, but yeah, just to give the context in case anybody hadn't heard yeah. that part, that that's, yeah, that was what we're talking about is is that breakdown and the, the aftermath of of that. I think I think for me as well, like in in that moment, yeah, like I said, like it was just so completely, totally not even anything you could even have predicted um, or even fathomed happening. Um, you know, it, it just felt like a complete bad, not even dream, nightmare, totally unrealistic, out of this world type thing. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think that if it wasn't for your – uh, brother Dan stepping up and, and actually, um, now I'm getting all emotional about it. I said <laughs> I was emotional. I was stepping up and, and actually, and, and, um, you know, I guess being, being my brain as well. Mm. Um, and, and my, my, and uh, the, I guess both our families really came together to support, support us and, and, and get us through it. But I know, um, you know, Dan had had a mate who who had gone through something similar, so he was able to really give me an insight into what we needed to do to get you better and get you out um, yeah. of this of the unit. Um, mm. So obviously, for me, I'd never dealt with that side of things and and nursing. I'd never done any kind of psych nursing, so um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a whole other world of what you're dealing with, like having yeah now been in the position where you literally have like it's like the reality that you exist in just gets shattered and you like i I suppose to a degree like to a degree where people talk about being with a um you know a narcissist or like a sociopath or someone where it's like you walk in you know christine hassler explains or it's like you walk into a room wearing a red shirt and you walk out being like i was completely wrong and it's blue yeah. It's like that where you step into this situation of I thought that the world was a certain way. I thought that the construct of me and my, you know, everything um, was a certain way and then it gets completely flipped upside down. But the the thing I think, though, is that as much as we both hit that space of survival, it it's like the that little spark didn't... The true catalyst. Yeah, it yeah. and it didn't. The spark didn't die in us to, to really, you know, be our truest selves and to live a full, purposeful life. You know, to not just live to make it to the next time you were gonna have a nap <laughs> or go <laughs> to sleep. Um, and well, well, in fairness, on all that medication, you were you were like that for a little while. Yeah, yeah, but but that's what I mean. Like that, you know, we we had that happen, and then it was like, yeah, no, nah, we're not going to carry on like this. And so we, that's right, Marley. Yeah, and so we ended up, you know, recovering. I think pretty well and pretty quickly. Um, well, I think for, I think the reason we recovered pretty well and pretty quickly was because we just weren't weren't taking what we'd been handed as, as our path. Um, Mm. you know, and I I think that's just, just sort of thinking about now, I I think that's something. Oh, Dada. Yes, Marley, that's right. Um, I think that's something really true of, of us is that whatever we've been handed, we're like, okay, so this is what we've been handed and cool. So what are we making of it? Um, 
you know, and, and also how can we, um, set this straight and, and, and move on to better from it. Um, and, and I mean, I know, you know, that, that, that's sort of, for me, always the way I've been in that, um, in that just reflecting on from when, when, you know, I was younger that I was given, if I was ever given a certain set of circumstances or, or a, um, situation, I would always be like, okay, so what are we doing? Um, I, I never, I never just sort of went, okay, well, that's my lot in life and, and I'm going to deal with it. Um, and also, um, finding my voice in whatever the situation is. Uh, I know for me, I've never, and, and some people might call it having the last word, but <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, I that's, one way. Be, that's one way <laughs> maybe stubborn and i may want to have the last Tom, word don't say it don't <laughs> say it <laughs> um but but i know that um for me if if someone's wronged me um and and sort of stuff's really really hit the fan or a situation's really hit the fan i find my voice and i am um vocal in that um, how are we going to change it and, and that the person who has wronged me or the person who I've, uh, you know, has brought on the situation kind of knows exactly how I feel, um, you know, same way with, with you know, that relationship. Before I, I confronted him, um, how many years later? Like three years later? Yeah, it was about something like that. Um, and, and he didn't even realise how much of an arse he'd been um, and admitted that, you know, me saying see you later had actually crushed him for about a year. So, which again goes to the point where I, yeah, I don't really believe that people are ever, um, malintended. It's just that, um, yeah, we all get caught up in our own shit and mm. we all get caught up in different falsities and different lies and so on. And it's about, you know, as, as, as yourself being able to, um, take everything as neutral and a clean slate and then yep. make a decision from your own yeah make make a decision from your own truest self which is is exactly where it came to when we yeah, had the psychiatrist that's what I was say. Yeah, telling like, us not the next 4 or 5 years you need to just sit on this medication and we had I think really like the catalyst without getting too personal about it, <laughs> we'd started to see the ramifications and side effects of the medication outside of just it doing what it was, you know, quote unquote, like supposed to do. And they were like, oh, well, we've got an extra medication for this and we've got an extra medication for that side effect. Yeah. And it was just like the, the I can't imagine if like realistically I'd still be with the same people following the same prescription now. Yeah. If um if well, we hadn't have made a stance then. Mally, come and here. you wanna see what mummy's got, Mally? No. Yeah. Let's see if we can do this so we can get a bit more of a thought train going. Um <laughs> but that what essentially Yeah, look at the phone. <laughs> what essentially yeah, happened was uh yeah, we got told three or four years. Yeah. And so it would have been having that, then having the medication that they suggested to have for the side effects which then would have had other ramifications on top of that, you know, and just the continuation of it all, as well as me just, you know, being completely numbed to who I was as a person. Like that yeah. time was extremely uh, debilitating, but 
and I because mean, yeah. we fought back against it and because we said, well, mm. no, I'd like to try without it. And it was like, don't get me wrong, it was fucking hard. Mm. Weaning, like, I've, you know, by no means am I an expert on it, but having gone through that process and having felt what it feels like to wean off medication and like I did it by the, by the books. Mm. Well, I mean, it was just, under the guidance of the doctors as well. Yeah. It was just that we did it in Bali by a pool. Yeah. But getting brain zaps, um, you know, having the complete influx of anxiety, like how many times I would, you know, be going to jujitsu and then the flush of anxiety would come up mm. and I'd get halfway there and I'd call you and be like, no, nah, I can't do it. Mm. And I'd drive straight back home and I wouldn't even get to class. Yeah. Because literally just driving there and because of the rebalancing of my hormones, the the way I explain it to people is, you know, the pendulum, because it's been held back for so long from stopping you from feeling that way, it swings back so much harder because you don't have a common base to sit on. Yeah. Um, and getting through that was such a challenge, but, you know, so worth it in the end. But that, of course, then led to what was the the second breakdown, <laughs> as people who know my story will know about. For those who don't, to give the footnotes, I went and participated in a breathwork um, healing and or a, like a group breathwork thing. And the facilitators basically just, you know, bailed on me a, a couple of weeks in as I now I can explain it fully. Back then, it was very hard to articulate, but I basically experienced PTSD symptoms. Not just me, though. You know, you and the whole family experienced these PTSD symptoms of what had happened the last time Ooh. and caused a complete cascade and shit mm. show that led to basically not being quite back at square one again, but being at, you know, 1B this time. Um, and the exact same thing happened again. We took the process of having to go on medication to just calm things down and just get everything back to a base level. And then we worked ourselves, you know, worked off the medication and so on. But that was the point where you, you had a friend, uh, who has been on the podcast, Kim, who was doing Reiki and was really sort of starting to kickstart what is now soul remedy and everything that was that. So you had gone to her uh, because you, you to a degree had said enough is enough and you wanted to work on some things for you and start to process through everything that had happened. Um, and then as a result, you had said for me to go, which is again, what, yeah, kickstarted a huge healing for me with starting to unpack things. You know, it was the first time I experienced a, like, uh, PTSD response, outside of my breakdowns um, that I was able to get control of and really, you know, uh, get a grasp on, which I think was the catalyst for me getting to where I am now. <laughs> We've got a little sheep in the background there. Sorry, guys. We're recording on a farm. <laughs> so I, you know, now you have stepped into... Sorry, guys. I know this is a little bit disjointed, but this child doesn't... Uh, it doesn't help the the whole situation. So, um, yeah, what we were trying to get through to was that through that, you and I did our Reiki 1 training together. Yeah. I've then gone on to do my uh, level 2 and Masters with Kim. 
and you was it about a about a month ago did your Reiki two with me, and so yeah. now as a result, um, you're and especially now because the girls are at school. More than a month ago, actually. Yeah, um, you're able to both offer Reiki, but because the kids are at school, you have time to offer it. So, um, yeah, I get like I'd love to for you to I guess explain a bit about Reiki for you and what it meant and what it's been for you to now, yeah, why you want to be able to share it with other people. Yeah, well, um, for me, Reiki has always been, um, you know, sort of around and and part of part of growing up and and um, you know part of part of our lifestyle, I guess. Um, and so it was very natural for me once I, because um, obviously I, I went to school with Kim, and and so I knew um, I'd been following what she was what she was up to, and. And I, once I decided to go and see her, I think everything kind of clicked in for me that, that uh, you know, what she was doing, it, it really spoke to me. And, it, you know, I think as is with – um, get my words out – as usually is with Reiki, you tend to go for your own self-healing, which then turns into um, I'm really passionate about this and I'd like to be able to – um, well, I know for me it was, you know, um, help my kids to um, heal and calm. And, and at the end of the night, I know that was one of the things we discussed when we did our Reiki one was that we'd be able to go home and Reiki the kids to sleep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were delusional. <laughs> but um, It's the same should... as, you know, as Bruce Almighty. Like you can do anything <laughs> you want, but there's three things you can't. And one of them is you can't change free will <laughs> and the kids have the free will to crack the shits all they want <laughs> <laughs> and not sleep um and so so for me yeah um i guess it's just naturally progressed into wanting to be um wanting to to dive into the reiki reiki world and and actually uh I guess bring bring the healing to others that it, it gave to me um, in in such a in such a short short time um, of, of seeing Kim. There was massive changes. I know you noticed massive changes as well. Um, so yeah, that that for me, that's why I moved into Reiki, and and I've just met so many beautiful people through through the Reiki world. Um, that again, just just basically, um, you know, solidifies as to why why we are in what we are in, why we're doing what we're doing, because there's it's just a beautiful community and and bringing Reiki to to others uh, also brings them into the Reiki world and, and Reiki community and and it's a beautiful healing space. So yeah, yeah, it's um it was actually amazing just. I guess yeah, discussing a bit more on on what it was like when you started to go um, have Reiki and that taking that time for you, giving the space to to really unpack things like it, it's it's not a shot on psychologists or that world, but that <laughs> excuse us for one moment. Marley is climbing the bookshelf. Oh my. 
Apologies for that. We are back with our little man. Loves to climb on everything possible and will climb bookshelves. He climbs that he... <laughs> beds, couches, yep. doors. Yep. Beds, everything. Bunk beds. He's made his way three quarters of the way up. Um, anyway, back to where we were. <laughs> and that... You actually having the space to unpack because yeah, some like sometimes with psychologists and things like that, I find that because of the restrictions they have, they can't talk about certain subjects. You feel a bit off talking to them, and you don't feel like you can really express yourself fully. And don't get me wrong, if you get a great psychologist, and you can do that, but you've got to find a great psychologist, and you're finding it within the constrictions that they have whereas going to see someone like him it's like you can just let rip with whatever you're feeling whatever's going on and especially you know um because you throwing books (laughs) now now. throwing Throwing books now uh yeah because for you you live in the world of you know energetics and you've grown up within that more Eastern way of understanding the world, you know, the, the translation of what had happened to you and what, you know, what was going for you, on for you in an, at an interpersonal level could really be looked at. And then, um, yeah, to sort of take it, I guess, a step further, you could actually deal with it rather than yeah. just talking about it and kind of going, here's how we can cope with that. It was how are we actually going to move through that, and you know, it's something that I kind of want to like give the space and time of a full podcast on to really discuss how Reiki works and things. But I think that giving your body the space to feel safe to really release a lot of that trauma that was stored in your body and process it um, in such a safe space as what Reiki provides was the catalyst to then free up the ability for you to go back to living in your truth, to living with some vitality and to really step back into thriving as opposed to, you know, as I've always talked about, like being in survival where um, because there's that trauma, because you don't feel safe to complete the, you know, the trauma process and the adaptive process of completing the cycle when you have a traumatic situation arise because you hadn't had the chance to complete that you were stuck in this constricted way of being and the second that you got given that space it was like it just clicked yeah i think i think because yeah like you said when you're stuck in that that space and i think i'd been stuck in that space for for a long time going from from you know um crappy relationship to then being in a great relationship but still processing stuff then um you know pregnancy issues and then um moving on to um on to the breakdown it's kind of it, it was it was me just in survival mode for for quite a long time and and to actually deal with stuff and shift through stuff and and um and actually like energetically release it uh is is a huge a huge thing and a huge part of reiki and um you know and and coming back into Miley's got the headphones on <laughs> um listen in loud 
and uh, and yeah, and 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 shifting all of that. And I think again, that's why for me, Reiki is so powerful, and why why I definitely um, you know wanted to move into that. And um, and I guess finding finding what you've always been searching for in that you you know going from nursing where I wanted to care for um, for people who were unwell, obviously with nursing, um, and then you move into um, into childcare where you're caring for children and then you're moving into Reiki where it actually encompasses um, everything. There is no uh, age specification on Reiki. There is no gender specification, no species. No species. <laughs> you can do it for your I was going to say, yeah. you can Reiki your dog. Um, we should Reiki our dog not to bark and wake up our child when we're trying to do a podcast. <laughs> um, so, is that funny, Marley? Um so yeah, so so that's that's definitely yeah, you know, with me for Reiki is yeah why I moved moved back. I won't say moved into because I moved back into, really. Yeah, I mean, like I sort of said, yeah, a lot earlier, it was very much a a coming home for you and returning to your truest nature. Yeah, um, and a lot of the things that you had in childhood, which I mean, like if you. You know, there are so many different um, shamanic practices and concepts where a lot of it is like returning to your childhood nature. You know, like people that go all the way to Peru to do psychedelics with a shaman, mm. to, you know, people that risk going to jail to do these mushroom ceremonies or otherwise. They're doing it to shut down their default mode network to be more like the child they were. Yeah. And if you can find ways of accessing that and tapping back into that and really obviously adapted to the future and the, you know, the way that we live in now, uh, but to, to tap back into that energy and that freedom of expression, Mm. that's what living is. And I think that's what, for both of us, what Reiki, uh, was very much the, the catalyst of providing and you know there's other other factors and other things that we've done and gotten into as well but that that was very much a pivotal thing for us and of course yeah as we've kind of said has now led to where both of us are in a position where we've done enough training we've got enough skill that we can share it with others Mm. and the you know even being early in our career of being energy workers and doing this kind of thing, the the changes that I've seen when I've done Reiki on people is phenomenal. The like I still get absolutely dumbfounded by the experience itself, um, where I'll notice something and I mention it afterwards, and they go, "Yeah, no, I felt that too." Like it's it's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? It's it's. Like, the only reference that I have to connect it to is being on acid. (laughs) Because (laughs) being on acid and, like, seeing something that somebody else saw at the exact same time that we know didn't happen, and you're like, how is that possible? That happens with no substance and purely with the process, with the set and the setting of Reiki. Um, And it's amazing to have that happen but to have it within the set and the context of 
you know, personal development of processing traumas of reconnecting to, you know, to your truest self. That that's what is the sorry. It's really <laughs> this podcast has got so many moments where I think we've lost track because Marley is doing something weird, and right now <laughs> he's almost hyperventilating into the end of a microphone lead. He's using it as a whistle. <laughs> yeah. Um. So train of thought. Wowza. <laughs> the train of thought was that, uh, that, yeah, that Reiki really, in fact, I don't even know this is where I was going, nonetheless, it's where I'm taking it now, <laughs> <laughs> is that Reiki is something that really gives you the, the access to just how, like, for lack of a better word, how magical we are as beings. Not necessarily human beings, spiritual beings, you know, all the different lingo that people want to use, but just the experiences of human where we leave it to our nature of reality and what it is. Um, Reiki opens the space that modern society doesn't give for, you know, (laughs) in the same way that someone goes to a men's circle or a women's circle or something like that, where there's no substances involved, there's just space given to be and all of a sudden you know profound changes happen and profound releases of emotions and so on that have been sitting there blocked come up that's what happens when when you go to a reiki session you know it's a great i think um, entry point for people who maybe don't necessarily want to go to a group setting to, you know, talk to a bunch of people they don't know, albeit that it's still a beautiful sacred space for some people. It's a very, it's a barrier of entry. Um, And that's where, you know, a a big thing I hope for is to be able to bridge that gap for people who even have a barrier of entry with Reiki, with Mm. a one-on-one session, to be able to, I think at that point, where all that's really left to overcome is either their fear of what will come up or the lack of belief in you know in something that has kind of to a degree you know without saying this in a in a way that sounds harsh or otherwise um, has you know been overtaken a great deal by people who have very poor language skills and as a result use a lot of language that can just get dismissed as woo mm. you know when you don't have the ability to even just you know, back up parts of what you're explaining with science. Um, you know, I think you lose so many people and that's what I, especially for me, hope that I can achieve with my knowledge and understanding of the science behind what's actually going on during a Reiki session. <laughs> that, uh... You almost that, pulled the whole microphone. <laughs> that, you know, you are creating a space where you are releasing the trauma that is stored within your body that won't come out in everyday life. And or if Reiki, it does, it's going to come out in a very deleterious type situation. And and as well, I think, with Reiki is that you're not sitting in there and you're trying to talk to somebody, um, you know, and bring, and bring stuff up over, you know, 6, 10, 12 sessions and you might by the end of it finally get to the, to the, to the core of what's going on. I feel like with Reiki, because 
there is a little bit of talking, but it's not, it's not only talking. Like you are, you, you are healing your own body and what comes up needs to come, you know, comes up, but, but it, it's a very calm and peaceful, quiet way to, to heal your body. It's not a, um, it's not a real, you know, bring everything up and dredge all this stuff up while you're talking and, and have, you know, have these emotional breakdowns and, and come out of your session with, with tears and, and, you know, looking like you, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like you, you're not, it, it's a very, and I think that's what, what made me, uh, you know, encourage you to go was that, that it's a very, um, it's the gentle, art. gentle, the, yeah, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. A very gentle and peaceful way to heal, heal yourself, heal your um, energetic body, heal your spiritual body, heal, um, you know, your soul. And, and you're not, you're not ending up with these huge PTSD type responses. It's, it's just yeah. a very calm and loving way to, to move through your trauma. Yeah. Or just, you know, just to give you a lift in general, you don't have to be trying to work through significant trauma to, to have Reiki. Yeah. Um, yeah. any kind of disease is, is, um, perfect for, or just because you want to have a nice peaceful experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and again, this is where I, I always go into explainer mode, but that, you know, we do live in the society where being sympathetic dominant, which, you know, to bring into layman's terms is the fight or flight response. It's a lot of do, do, do act constantly. There's not a lot of rest and relaxation or rest and digest, um, which is the opposite of the parasympathetic side of the nervous system that because there is so much of that Reiki is the perfect space that is essentially a, as much of a trigger as you could get to put your body into a space of parasympathetic-ness. <laughs> um, and, you know, all the myriad of things that start to happen from there when your body's not stuck in a space of thinking that you're going to die, that you're going to relive some kind of childhood. Now, Marley's trying to ride his little block pusher. Excuse the... That I promise you that this hasn't just become an R-rated podcast. <laughs> um, all right, Marley. All right. So, uh, with that, uh oh, yeah, uh -oh. a bit noisy, a bit noisy. So with that, <laughs> some oil on your wheels, mate. With that, I tell you what, if you guys have enjoyed the shit out of listening to <laughs> us try and navigate a podcast with a child running around and pulling on things and climbing stuff, let me know and I'll just do more of it because <laughs> I could do this all day because this is basically our life, trying to achieve anything <laughs> while children are doing stuff. Um, nonetheless, yeah, the thing that I think with Reiki is that it it puts you in that space where you have nothing to do but enter into parasympathetic, you know, uh, parasympatheticness, which gives you the ability to your body, if it was, you know, literally at the point of shutting down 
processes like you know your organs functioning properly which is quite you know that's what happens to people who are so stuck in their trauma or so stuck in you know post-trauma or otherwise their organs literally aren't functioning at 100 percent, and so all the different disease and so on that goes from that happens so to have something that can help get you back into the other side is unbelievable um I think just to, I guess, kind of wrap it up because I think it's probably a good point for us to finish up with the degree that Marley's just going mental now. Um, that's for, for everything that our journey has had go on, for everything, you know, from your history to our history together, um, more than anything now, we're really stepping into a place where I think that we... You know, we have that priority of the us and the the family unit and what we want to create together as a family, um, as a, you know, within what will be an amazingly lived life. Um, and we want to bring people along the way with us, you know. I don't, you know, it's one of those catch-22s that I don't think you could, regardless, live a beautiful, well-lived life if you didn't bring people along the way with you. Um, but we want to share what we do. We want to help other people who've gone through some of the, you know, horrendous, horrendous things that we've had to go through and live through and process, Mm. which again, albeit we look at now as blessings and, you know, chances to move into the life we live now. Um, but we want to share that and we want to give people the ability to move into, you know, a life that's thriving as the namesake goes and move into everything from there. So to wrap up with that said, if people would like to get in contact with you, if they want to find you on Instagram, tell everybody listening um, where to find you and what it is that you offer. Now. So um, I have um, two, two pages. So I have um, my Empower Self women's page, um, which is, um, as the title suggests, um, for women. Um, And it's basically a page for um, really diving into into empowerment for yourself um, as mums, busy women, um, you know, just, you know, even... I guess um, girls in in high school um, that that you find you're really not uh, n- not uh, connecting in with yourself and and just different ways that that we can connect back in with our higher self and I'm also going to be popping up um, some podcasts which are going to be really cool over the coming months. May pop up this podcast. We'll see if it makes the cut. No joking. <laughs> um, so, and they can just find that on Facebook, isn't it? Yep. Just so that's on Facebook. Women's Network. Yep. And so I also have my um, my website. Which we're, uh, we're almost finished sorting out. Um, yeah, we just Empower Self Network, I believe. But I'll put all the notes in the um, yeah in the show notes to be able to yeah, link up with that. Yeah. Once that's all live. Uh, and also just on Instagram, um, Empower Self with Catherine Millwood. 
Um, and that's that's open to um, men and women. Uh, and my, I've actually been doing because I've been doing dreadlocks for the last um, five years. I've actually incorporated uh, Reiki into my dreadlocking. Um, and so I do. I offer probably another deep dive for another yeah, podcast. Yeah, there's another do. podcast, but um, energetic dreadlocking. So, so yeah, so that's Moonlit Dreads uh, on Facebook. Beautiful, beautiful. And then otherwise, yeah, it's Reiki in person or online. Um, so we healing. can do all that, which you can, yeah, again, either send the message through to me and I can link you up with. With Kat, or you can find her on all of her pages. But otherwise, thank you, darling, for jumping on with me, for doing this. I will now go into the past and the future and uh, quickly record an intro just to give you guys the heads up <laughs> of Marley Magoo's interactions with the podcast. But yes. um, well, Thank you for joining us, Marley. You were a um, lovely guest. Yes, yes. Uh, so joyous. So joyous He's to have you as a part of it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I hope you guys have really enjoyed this episode and kind of a real, I guess, a personal insight into my life and, and Kat's life. And, uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll make a note of a couple of little bookmarks and footnotes that we want to really dive into and bring some more, you know, deep dives into everything from dreadlocks uh yeah and relationships and and beyond so thank you all very much for listening to thrive mind podcast if you want to catch me it's at t.om millwood on instagram otherwise just search for my name or tommillwood.com and you will be able to get me there and if you want to coach with me if you want to do reiki with me send me a message and we can book it in. I'm beginning my February intake as we speak for coaching. I have four spots available. So if you're ready to step out of survival and into thriving, my books are open and ready for you. With all that said, I will talk to you all next week. I have got some guests I'm lining up over the next coming weeks, which I cannot wait to share with you. So again... This is me signing off, the Thrive Mind podcast, this time joined by the lovely Cat Millwood and the little rascal and noisemaker and interrupter, <laughs> <laughs> as he smiles cheekily about it, Mali Magugu. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you next time, everybody. Chika-chika.